Howdy, folks, and welcome to the next episode of One Cedar Country Podcast. My name is RJ. And I'm Ray. And today we're going to be talking about some music. Um, Just more of like a casual conversation piece. We're going to be talking about some new music, uh, both new in general and new to us. Or songs that we've been listening to recently. So, recently, uh, I don't know if... For those of you that follow us on our Instagram, uh, maybe on our Twitter, I might have put it there as well. I went out and bought the newest albums. The day after they came out of Tim McGraw's new album, Here on Earth, I got the uh, Target Deluxe Edition as the uh, tracks, which those tracks definitely were worth the extra money. Or, I guess, the extra distance, which costs gas some money. Uh, anyways, and then the the other album that came out on the same day that I was really looking forward to, which is Josh Turner's new album, Country State of Mind. And then I also picked up the new album Here and Now by Kenny Chesney. Uh, I also happened to pick up his album Cosmic Hallelujah. And I also picked up the Walmart-exclusive version of the... Um, it was like a re-release of volume one of the George Strait collection. And then I also picked up volume two, which doesn't have like an exclusive one. Cause it just came out. The first one's from like the beginning of his career to 1999, I think, or somewhere around there or 1996, somewhere in the nineties or just before the new millennium. And then the other ones from like 2000 to 2016. But I mean, it's basically all of George Strait's hits and some popular songs and some uh on the new one it has some or the the second volume which is newer released back in 2016 probably since that's when it goes till it has some exclusive songs for that release so um but i'm not going to really be talking about that collection because it's um (laughs) that's uh, i think six cds um actually i think all Actually, I think it's more like 18 CDs, because I think each disc... Or not 18, but uh, 13? 12, 13 CDs? Because one of them's like three discs, and one of them... And all the rest of them are like two-disc compilations, I think. Dang, I might, dude. You I get might, a lot of music. Or maybe not. Maybe they're one disc. I don't remember. But yeah. It's... I mean, it's all... It's it's a lot of his hits and things. But yeah. So I picked up a bunch of CDs. Um, there's some other songs that I listen to some new releases um some songs i hadn't heard before or didn't like listen to a lot before um but then also <laughs> uh last week when i we intended to re- record this episode um we also hung out and listened to some new music that ray picked up you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah sure we went um my wife and i during labor day weekend went uh antiquing with with uh, my in-laws and quite a few of those antique shops had a good variety of records, and I picked up about, like, 20-something records over the course of the weekend. Yeah, so we, we listened to a few of those records, um, so that was very fun. I, I It was a nice evening, so we'll be, we'll be talking about that. Now, what, what do you want to start out with? What do we want to talk about first? I guess we could talk about that compilation album. From that was it? Were they like the? I know you said something about. Oh, you're studio? talking about the where it sounded like it was um, 
the record that was it sounded like it was a group primarily made up of studio musicians or something or it was a cover band basically yeah yeah that was it was i mean it was very good it just i was surprised because the first track on the record which by the way do you know what the name of the record is or the artist it was uh the king of the road but i don't know the name of the artist yeah that was that's right that's what the name of that king that's of the road oh. yeah um hold on a second i'll Go over your records and see if I can find it real quick. I'm so kind of have it for posterity. Yeah, I'm not really in the position to do much. All right, so we've. I went and quick pulled the records out so we can reference them. So it's uh, it is the Lonesome Valley Singers. It's King of the Road, Country and Western Million Records Sellers. Excuse me, released on vinyl on Diplomat Records. It includes the songs King of the Road, Till I Waltz Again With You, Love Me Tender, Send Me the Pillow That You Dream On, Ring of Fire, Kansas City, Big Bad John, Devil Woman, El Paso, and Big Iron. Which, because the name of the album, I thought it was a compilation of, of like the actual songs. So I was expecting Roger Miller. And when it started, I was like, this, this isn't, isn't Roger Miller. This isn't, this isn't Roger Miller. What? And then I was like, oh, is this a cover band? And it is. It's the Lonesome Valley Singers, and it was it was good. It was a good album. Um, the other one, Big Iron, was the one you were like, "Wait a second. You were like, "That's not Marty Robbins." And then the the other one, Big Bad John and Ring of Fire. So Big Bad John was. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, real quick with Ring of Fire, that was the one I was like, he's trying his best, but it's no Johnny Cash. He he was trying to do his best, Johnny Cash. Yeah, but... definitely. Um. But the, so, Big Bad John, I guess, and I, I, I'll also mention a song I heard on Jethro FM, which is like an oldie station around here. Um, oh, you started listening to Jethro. Oh, yeah, I, was, yeah. I started listening to that a while ago. Once that, once you told me about it, I looked into it. Anyway, so the, the, the reason I bring up the whole thing was because there was a song I heard on Jethro that, similar to Big Bad John on this album... I forgot about censorship in, like, the 1960s. Yeah. Because when we were listening to the record the other day here, and they got to Big Bad John, there was the line at the end of the song, at the bottom of the mine lies a big bad man, I believe is how it goes, right? Big, big man. A big, big man, yeah. But the version I'm familiar with, the which is by Jimmy Dean, um, which I imagine there's a radio version that's got the same lyric... But the version I'm familiar with, Jim, Jimmy Dean, is at the bottom of this mine lies one hell of a man. So when, okay. <laughs> when so when it play, when it got to there's a big big man, I was like, what? And then also I was listening to um, with the Jethro one, I was listening to Johnny Cash's "The Boy Named Sue." Yeah, and I have the album that that's on on CD. I actually have the ver. It's a CD and it has tracks that actually didn't ever get apparently didn't get released until like 2000 from that concert. So it's like not on the record version, or at least not the old record version. I don't know if they re-released it with the tracks that were added on for the CD. But anyways, so the song "The Boy Named Sue," uh, the version, and it's even on even before I had the album, I had heard the song. Uh, we have like a we had some sort of like burned CD growing up of a bunch of old country songs, and that was one of the ones on there. And so it was in it, but it was just like the 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 uncensored version. So it was. Um, Cause I'm the son of a bitch that named you Sue, 
and I don't remember how, but <laughs> so I was listening to it on Jethro and it's the censored version. And I don't remember if it was just a bleep. I don't remember how they censored it, but it was weird. And it was also weird because I'm used to all the like, because it was a live, it was from a live show live at, oh, live at San Quentin. And so I'm, yeah, I'm used to hearing like the introduction where he like introduces Carl Perkins and stuff and like that, but the, like the, for the radio edit, because for radio airplay, they kind of just like fade it in shortly before the song, like at, while the actual music itself was starting. I was like, what? So it was just, it kind of threw me off. So it was just interesting. That was the interesting thing with that. So just moving on. We also listened to, you had me pick out an album to listen to. And I was like, I want to hear some Kenny Rogers. So I, I pulled out the one that was like all, it was the Kenny Rogers' greatest hits. Because I saw it and I was like, I recognize most of these songs, which makes sense. It's his greatest hits album. Um, released on Liberty Records. With the songs The Gambler, Lucille, Ruby, Coward of the County. She believes in me. You decorated my life. Don't fall in love with a dreamer. Love the world away. Every time two fools collide. Reuben James, Long Arm of the Law, and Lady. Is that the is that sticker on there? What you paid for it, or is that like an old sticker? That's a good deal. That looks like a two dollar record. Mm-hmm. That's a great deal. But it's a beautiful looking record if yeah. you if you to look at it. Yeah, like the cover. I've seen like I've seen this art. I recognize the artwork before. I also recognized you have three Kenny Rogers albums there, and I recognize this one. And then I recognize another one, which I think is the... I don't think it's a compilation. I think it's like just one of his studio albums. And I think it's the one that's got Coward of the County on it. It might be. I might be wrong. It might be another compilation. But I think regardless, I think both of them have Coward of the County, which I really like that song. And then obviously the staple song, everybody knows The Gambler. So, and that was good. And you and I had a nice little sing-along to that. Um, but then, are you sure we listened to this? We listened to most of it. Because it's in... Oh, okay. There we go. It's... Because there's shrink wrap on the record. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just I was like I was like I was like it doesn't look like it's been open, but it has been. It's just the sh- you kept the shrink wrap on it. <laughs> no, so the, the person that uh, like sold it to the or put it in that store kept the shrink wrap on it, and I very much appreciate it because look look at the cover that that the cover of that album. Yeah, it's in very just, good condition. Like compared, especially compared to like both of these, like the Kenny Rogers one is in kind of a rough condition, but I oh mean, it's no. got that it's got that nice quality of being like. A weathered you know that it's well loved but yeah a well-loved record and i mean the same thing like the king of the road one like even like the side of the the cardboard's like come apart pretty much but this one i like i was just holding right here i was like are you sure we listened to this one i was like it because i didn't realize that the side was on but yeah it's um the time life records country music series because you had a couple of these mm-hmm. the other I one you have is charlie, charlie pride. pride yeah Love Charlie Pride, but this is the Marty Robbins record, and this is the one we listened to. I'll go on alone, singing the blues, knee deep in the blues, a white sport coat, El Paso, Devil Woman, Ribbon of Darkness, My Woman, My Woman, Our Life, El Paso City. Oh, there's apparently there's twenty records in this series because there's a list of all of them. Well, I have eighteen more to go. Uh, yep, I have quite a few to go. Then Waylon don't Jennings, I? George Jones, Barbara Mandrell, Statler Brothers. Elvis Presley, Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash, Marty Robbins, Ronnie Millsap, Mel Tillis, Lynn Anderson, Jim Reeves, Buck Owens, Charlie Rich, Tammy Wynette, Chet Atkins, Hank Williams, Bob Wills, Eddie Arnold. But yeah, great album. Marty Robbins is a classic. Uh, I didn't. Nothing really stuck out to me about this album when we were listening to it. No, it was basically just your your, uh, your but like what do you expect from a Marty Robbins a Marty Robbins album? Yeah. Anything I guess, especially like. 
Because I don't, you probably listen to at least some of these records or your other country records that you bought. Oh no, dude! Show. Like no, I, I, I've time? been, I've been busy. Yeah, this oh, okay. is. So I've, was, I've been busy doing. All right. Anything stick out to you on your listen throughs of those that you want to talk about with any of them? Not really, dude. Not really. I mean, okay. Just, just enjoying. I'm guessing it's probably not the first time you've heard some of those songs on, or a lot of those songs. No, but like it's. Not the first time that I've heard those songs, but mm-hmm. the first time in that way. And, you know, records get that have like, yeah, I was just saying, that's kind of warm. Something we talked about was definitely like the warm sound of records. Because we were talking, we spent some time discussing like records versus digital. And we even, because you have a Bluetooth record player. So I hooked yeah. my phone up and was playing. I played a couple new songs, but I also played a couple old songs. Like I even pulled up. So we, one, another song we listened to. Um, which I'll get back to the song because I have an interesting connection in regards to that song in our podcast was uh, a song, one of your favorite songs, which is Tanya Tucker's Delta Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you played it for me on the record, and then I wish we had listened. I, I had we'd done the comparison, like played it right after, but I pulled it up. I found it on YouTube, and I like pulled it up, and I played the song in you know, the same recording. Um, I think what we determined was part of it is the speaker because the the speaker that you have on that record player is part of what it's a very warm sounded speaker so it was definitely different than like hearing music out of like my iphone's speaker or whatever or like my computer your phone or whatever hearing it out because it uh, that's part of what how good music sounds depends on the source of the player so part of it was that but then the other thing is like you know the thing that kind of is the staple of records the clicks and pops and white noise. Man, that sounded good. Sorry, I just really wanted to make that Tim McGraw reference. But yeah, the clicks and pops and white noise, which kind of help. This comes down to more of opinions. But like for you, it's a very... It, it adds to the warmth of that sound. I know I know that there's some people that might hear that noise and think that like it's very distracting or deteriorating or very like cold. It's, it's part of like the... It's... Yes, part of the aesthetic and the mm-hmm. charm. So it's very much it's very much a thing that has to do with the the format you listen to. And we talked about that, like the going back to the whole thing about um, records versus listening to a song digitally. About which one? Because there's the argument over the whole which sounds better. And I hear this all the time, as I mentioned before. I'm in a music program, so like some of the videos that I end up watching on YouTube kind of lead me to this concept and things I see online, things I've talked about in classrooms is talking about um, the, I mean, the two big formats in the kind of format on war for who's better records and digital. And I mean, we have other formats because here's the thing. It was because you had radio and radio depend the, the, the clarity of radio and how good it sounds depends on the towers or satellites and the weather and all that because it's bouncing off of things and getting to you. That's part of why I can get that one station while well, the other one not so much. So if you or if you like, if you stream songs from a radio station, then then that depends on your bandwidth. And that also I think comes with streaming. I think streaming the quality of music will depend on your bandwidth, especially if you use a platform that relies on video for your music, like YouTube Music. I assume does. I don't have YouTube Music, so I'm just. That's just my conjecture at this point, is that YouTube Music, you're still having the videos up, but they filter it to be exclusively the songs that are posted automatically from the artist's channel 
um, instead of like a ran- like if you like a random hypothetically if I uploaded like a Brad Paisley song onto YouTube it wouldn't end up on YouTube Music I'm guessing because it wasn't uploaded by Brad Paisley's official YouTube channel or uploaded automatically by I assume YouTube or whatever through whatever hosting thing is you'd be surprised do you have YouTube Music I have yeah okay and I thought you had some- YouTube Red. Which, well, is a, which is different. I I use them both. Okay, so, so. You, YouTube Music. Okay, so you have it. How does it work? It's basically just pulling things off of YouTube. Are there it's, are it's there restrictions? I, I don't say. Because like, it, it's just for, pull, it's just pulling stuff off of YouTube. Well, yeah, but okay. So that's is it? Because YouTube Music, the way I'm under the ways the way I thought it was working, because I'm I I've I've noticed I keep track. Noting things just because the way I am, and also being involved in you know, theoretically being involved in the music industry, I've more more so the just because artists that I listen to, um, I noticed they have like these channels. It used to be called like for going back to the Brad Paisley example, it'd be a channel that says like Brad Paisley dash topic, and it'd be like um, whoever their the record label is, or like I know some are I know like some lesser known artists like one one I can think of not a country artist so it doesn't really matter who but they have like their music is like provided via CD baby so um which is it's just like who you um release your music through digitally like that provides it to YouTube it literally says like in the descriptions like provide to YouTube by CD baby or whoever or like this record label or whatever like or Atlantic or Arista in Nashville um, but anyways, so there was that, but then they kind of like merge, there was a recent thing and I, I was aware of it, but where they were like announcing that they were like merging, um, these like, like for example, Brad Paisley topic and then like Brad Paisley Vivo and like Brad Paisley's official YouTube channel that he started or whatever, like combining, condensing them into one channel. So that way, like you can find it all in one place. I thought my assumption with YouTube music was that it would only pull allow you to play videos slash music from those like official sources channels. But my other guess, which I'm given what you said, I'm starting to lean more into is that you can literally pull up any video you want, but you can only listen to the audio from it. Is that how it works or is there restrictions? You can also watch the video for it too. Okay. But is it, is it any video on the entirety of YouTube? Pretty much. It's only music. So it's only select videos. Yes. Okay. That okay. are that are like in. I think that they. It's there either, has to be like a music category that you can put it in. Probably. That's oh, that's I forgot about categories. Yeah, that's probably it then. Anyways, it's just the, the I'm mostly interested in that actually for podcast reasons because um I want to figure out if you could like listen to our pod because I upload. I mean, I'm behind on both of them, especially the D and D one, but I've been like trying to work on getting our podcast episodes for this podcast and realms and nerds onto YouTube. And, um, I've, I've been trying to, I've been curious, but not enough to actually look into it. If people can listen to it through YouTube music. So I don't think so. Yeah. Probably because I don't put it up under mu- the music category. If that's how their thing works, I don't know how it works. And so it's just, that's just like why I was interested. Anyways, going back, like backtracking from my tangent there about it, about the whole YouTube music thing. And the whole thing with that was talk about the bandwidth with quality with like, cause if you're like out driving around listening to music and I've had this happen before. Um, in fact, I had it happen last week. 
um, while I was driving over with a song we'll talk about later. I was I was listening to it through YouTube, and it was I I don't have YouTube music like I said, so I just literally just had the YouTube app open, and I was listening to it, and it just it came through like best quality available. But then I like hit a connection point on my way here where kind of I didn't have as good of an internet connection, so the quality dropped. And I I mean it wasn't when the video quality drops below a certain point on YouTube, the audio quality also drops. So things like that. So it's varying quality for streaming. So that. But then, so we talked about radio and streaming. Going way back to the topic of the quality war on which sounds better. And then you have like all these other formats that have come through the years. Mainly like 8-tracks, cassette tapes, and CDs. Which all were, in my opinion, primary, except for the CD. So... The 8-track, and I know there's another one that's related to it. It's just named, I don't remember where the names come from for them offhand. Um, like the 8-track and the cassette tape were mainly invented as a way of listening to your music portably because records are not portable. Because records have been around since like the 1920s. It used to be shellac records and now they're vinyl records. But then, but they weren't, I mean, they're portable so like enough, but the players aren't necessarily portable, especially back 80s, 70s, and prior, especially when you get back like in the 60s and things, those are big machines. Mostly, did they, did they ever put like a record player into a car? I'm sure there's been a car that's been invented, uh, like maybe not invented with the. Let me rephrase. Okay, there's likely been a car that has been either made or modified specifically with the intent of being able to play records inside of it. In fact, I'm sure, not sure, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, limousines back in the day used to be, like, which, I mean, those are, like, a luxury car or, like, an RV or something would, like, have record players in them where it's, like, meant to be, like, an entertainment sort of thing while you're, like, out and about because, I mean, you're out driving, you're just in there chilling on the go. But, like, you're just talking about, like, for the everyday person... Just like, cause you know, like putting a cassette tape into your radio or turning on the radio or CD into the thing. I would wager that no, other than like that for the sake of, I think it's only been done outside of maybe like recreational vehicles for the sake of, hey, I made it so you could listen to a record in a car. That's my guess. Um, just off my head. That's, 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 that's my guess. Um, but yeah, so those are primarily made as a way to listen to music on the go, specifically like in a car or like on a walk because, you know, Walkmans and things. So the eight track and then later the cassette tape, which I think the cassette tape took the, took over the eight track because the eight track could only hold so much music. Like it, it only held, it didn't hold too much. I don't know how much it could hold, but it um, generally point. eight tracks. And that's why they call it the eight track. Oh, is that why? I couldn't yeah. remember. I've never... it. I didn't ever listen... The first time I ever listened to an 8-track or saw one in person was probably six, seven years ago. It was like about... It was either high school or shortly after high school when I... Because um, one of my uncles used to have a thrift store and he would bid on estate sales and one of the estates... And I would help him like with moving things out of the estate sale to move to get ready for to um either sell at his store or sell at an auction and one of the things that we came across at one of them was an eight track 
player and a bunch of eight tracks. And he's like, oh man, loved these, had them back in the day. And talked about like <laughs> having a player like in his locker at school. But anyways, so cassette tapes could hold more because I mean, cassettes have like entire albums on them. Which, I mean, eight tracks it could be an album, but maximum eight tracks, that's like an EP. So that's like between a long EP or a short album. So cassette tapes can hold more, so they took over for that. And then the CD was introduced. From what, I learn, what I've learned and understand, I think the CD was invented and presented as like the record killer. And it, it kind of was until, <laughs> until online music kind of came about which that started off with just being illegal stuff with like napster and all that but anyways like cds were because cds were portable every car was getting cd players now it was better quality than your average cassette tape and it was really good quality but however until recently and this is like only in japan because cds are basically a dying format unfortunately i'm i'm a person that likes to get cds for a lot of especially particularly for favorite artists like all these albums i said about recently were all on cd but cds realistically do not have the best quality sound because right now at this point in time when cds are introduced vinyl is the standard and vinyl is the best sounding and it is still the best sounding when you compare them to cds but this the ease of portability while being a good enough quality and being it and also the fact it was digitally on there so it wouldn't deter like with record that's the downside one of the, one of the downsides of records and cassette tapes things is the the quality will deteriorate with digital you can play that song a billion times on the same cd and as long as like you don't scratch the cd crack the cd whatever if you play that song over and over and over again it'll sound the same every single time ignoring outside factors so the only like the only way that digital audio deteriorates is when you make a copy which is why like the master like even even for digital music the master track version which it used to be because back in the day it'd be a, like a master and i mean there's there's also other formats that i'm and i'll briefly mention one but it wasn't really a, a consumer format like they are available to consumers but your average consumer didn't use it but it's like like the the reels i don't remember what it's actually called um but that's how they would like record it back when they recorded it through analog means and then they would re-record it onto record discs and things or they'd use like a record have a record disc master and then like record i don't know i I learned about it recently through a video on youtube and i only kind of understood it but basically the idea was that every time you made a copy it deteriorated your hand motions though those are kind of fun you can't see it, but he was like reeling and Thanks. whatnot. And it was kind of yeah. Funny. I'm out here fishing, um, but with the digital format, it's the same concept, although at a slower rate. As long as each copy you're making is the best quality that you can make it, but every time you make a copy of a song, it invariably is going to be lesser quality due to restrictions with how digital works. At least from my understanding, I might be wrong. That might be outdated. It might just be how it used to be. But yeah, so CDs were like king for a hot second. Then the internet came about and everybody decided to use Napster and that led to drops in CD sales because people were getting music illegally, which is how iTunes and Amazon Music and all these things as online retailers, they started popping up and then people could still get their music without having to get a physical copy. And it, it was pretty cheap. It was like 99 cents All you young people listening, yeah, iTunes songs used to be like ninety nine cents a track. Now they're like a dollar twenty nine or something. Like, 
you can go to McDonald's and get a burger for cheaper than a song on iTunes, which is, it's fine. I have nothing against that because it might be a higher price, but ideally that means a higher cut for the artist because, you know, like, for example, the Apple Music iTunes, if you purchase a song or an album on there, then like Apple's going to get a cut. I mean, there, there are other factors, all like songwriters and record label and things like that, but just like going off the idea of just the artist and the distributor, Apple gets a cut and the artist gets a cut. And if you increase the price, hopefully they're either both making more money or the artist is making up that extra that they increase the price. But anyways, uh, with digital, and then they move to streaming. Streaming is nice. Streaming is convenient. It's cheaper for more people because instead of like spending, especially back in the day, because back in the day with Apple, you could now I think they'd make it so you can buy any song you want from any album pretty much unless there's like exclusive stuff um and it's <laughs> like whatever um but it used to be for some if like you wanted this one song off this one album but it was it's an album only you had to buy the whole album to get that song from iTunes or Google Music or whatever so you had to spend like 10 bucks just for that one song you wanted from that one album or even if you just wanted or even if the song was available available to buy that's still like a dollar or a dollar plus to be able to listen to get that song so you can listen to it. And then streaming services are like five to ten dollars a month to be able to listen to as much music as you want. Um, so it's like a rental service thing is the way that my professor compared it. And so for the consumer, it's really good. And I mean, it's really great, especially in helping prevent piracy, because then it's a it's a big it's a good incentive if you're not wanting to shell out a bunch of money to actually buy the music itself. Or at least, you know, copy the music if we're getting technical. But then the downside with streaming, like I mentioned, is dip in quality because you're streaming the music. Although you can, with some of the services, if you pay enough, can, like, download it to your hard drive. Whatever. Um, but anyways, so digital was kind of really the first true opponent to vinyl. Because so far, vinyl, short, at least for your average consumer, is the best quality for listening to music and the one that most people consider the best or like you know just recording music through analog means digital comes in and that basically is it it's the same i don't know i don't want to go into the whole i've already spent way too much time explaining things and getting on tangents just for to talk about how digital and analog are rj we listen to this so that you can go on tangents yeah i know (laughs) but it's basically it comes down to the point that Listening to a song on vinyl, I'm listening to it as the best quality version of it that you can get uh, digitally is going to sound the same. Um, and recorded, sure, the jury's out. It's I think it comes down to a preference or an opinion on the if something is recorded analog versus if something is recorded digital. Talking about actually like m- making the music instead of like listening to it, which sounds better. That I think comes down to opinion. Because I think they have different qualities about them that you can only get from one way or the other. But at the end of the day, as far as which is a better quality, they're like equal quality. It just the sounds are would be a little bit different. But that's quality of recording versus quality of playback. Quality of playback, they're equal. Quality of recording, I think, comes down to opinion. So, but... Vinyl does sound good, and there's like a warmth of vinyl that you can only get from vinyl, which I will agree and concede with you on, because that's what create all the all the dust in there, creating those clicks and pops and things, 
that combined with generally the way that speaker, the kind of speakers that they use for most record players, at least most decent record players, give it a very warm sound. But I also think, I forgot to mention this, when we were listening to it, because I played a recent track, and then I played a song that was recorded back in like the 80s and things. This comes back to the recording analog versus recording digital. I do think the way that records were recorded back in the 80s and things gives it a warmer sound. Specifically, like you get into like the 60s or the 80s, specifically since we're a country music podcast, our country music, the 60s to the 80s, I think has a really warm sound. Um, and I think that comes down with the analog recording that it was because I was, it was even the same artist. And we'll, again, that's a song we'll talk about here in a second because I, I played it through your record speakers mm-hmm. and it didn't sound quite like um, the thing, even though actually technically part of the song was recorded back at the same time period. Um, the whole the, the song in its entirety came out this year. In fact, it came out recently at the time of recording this here in like mid-September of 2020. So, but anyways, so that was basically it. This is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Realms and Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. Podcast contains cussing and adult humor. Listener discretion advised. So the the albums I recently bought, a CD I forgot I mentioned I bought when I bought all those CDs was, I don't know if it's still his most recent release at the time of this recording, but it, as far as I know, it's George Strait's most recent album, Honky Tonk Time Machine. I bought that one as well. Anyways, not only did I buy the album, I bought a ticket to watch the virtual concert for Tim McGraw's newest album, Here on Earth. And I'd say it was $15 well spent for that concert, because it was... It was, I mean, it was all done, like, you know, with uh, social distancing and things and virtually that we have going on right now. The opening act was Ingrid Andrus, um, if I'm pronouncing her name right, which it was It was her and a couple bandmates. It was like an acoustic set, like she was playing guitar and one of them was on. Uh, I don't remember what the name of the instrument is. It's basically, it's for, it's done a lot in acoustic sets for percussion, um, but it's basically, it's just like a cube of wood hollow like a hollow wooden box that you like sit on and like you you like oh dude i want to get one of those those sound so cool yeah it's like a it's like a it's kind of like a speaker too isn't it um doesn't it have speaker parts on it or something like that i'm sure there are versions that exist like that but it's it's literally just like a hollow box of wood that like i don't know what they like call it in percussion circles or music circles um but it's basically it's just 
that the other the other cool thing is um that you reminded me of with that which isn't related to this exactly but it's just like the idea of like i've seen a few like solo acts not like live but like i've seen like videos about these these people that are like solo performers and they have a guitar but they like have percussion and stuff in it too but it's all done through the guitar because they'll have this dev- like a le- this electronic device that does that l- like a looper that'll like loop something and they'll play like a percussion beat on the on the hollow body of their acoustic guitar and then it'll like loop that and things like that and then maybe they'll like do like a bass riff and like have that loop too and then they'll like well, play that sounds kind of cool it's a it's a really cool it's a really cool it's a really cool concept for like a one man band basically which fun little nod to a song to uh you and your wife's song one man mm-hmm. band by old dominion anyways so she was the opening act really great job they played a few songs um and then it was kind of jarring because it went from because hers was literally like a thing like you would see like back when isolation or whatever what was what, what's it been called quarantining self-quarantining everyone's self-quarantining back when all that started with coronavirus really hit the u.s big and back in like march or whatever whenever we recorded that one episode um in isolation to test that out um that's kind of the thing like a lot of music artists trying to find like a way to like sustain their jobs during all this is like doing like these virtual concerts and things and at first it was basically like they would be like i watched on instagram live and i think i meant i put it on like our instagram story like brad paisley did one um like a concert like in his home and chris young did one and i watched both of those garth brooks did one i missed that one but i heard about I actually heard about that one. That one made news, and I was like, I want to watch that. And then I think I was working when that one happened. Um, I think Sam saw it, though. Yeah, it was basically kind of like... But it was like that. It was like watching one of those, essentially, for her performance. And then Midland was... Because that's it was originally, before coronavirus stuff happened, the plan was he was going to do... You know, like you usually do, you were going to do a tour to support the new album. And so his his other the other acts for the show were going to be ingrid andress and midland so that's who he had for the two opening acts for his virtual concert for the cd release um so then after her it was midland and like the 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 transition from her being hers being kind of like a it was a stationary camera it just had that kind of like vibe of like i set up a camera that's what i was saying like with the the thing like the instagram live thing would be like because that's what they actually were doing they, like, set up their phones or cameras, like, just, like, on a bookshelf or whatever, and then just performed in front of that. But, so, to going from that to Midland, who was, like, the Midland one seemed like it might have been pre-recorded is kind of the big jarring difference. Because it was, like, there were, like, a bunch of camera movements and things and, like, close-up shots and stuff. It was a great performance. Midland is great. They have tight harmonies. I really love Midland. They're one of my new, they're one of my favorite newer artists. But it was, like, it was, they, like, introduced their segment like outside of on like some porch steps and then there was like them in a barn playing in a circle and there was like a bunch of cameras and things so like the transition was just kind of like jarring for me and i think it also had to do with like the cameras themselves because with hers the room that she was in the wallpaper was a very dark color um so i think that they had to like bring up the brightness so um when you do that it just like all the um shadows and things kind of become a lot less pronounced like you like it's you know what I'm talking about? Where 
if you bring brightness up on a picture kind of deal. If you don't know what I'm talking about, take a picture of something that's got dark and light stuff in it, and then just like bring up the brightness, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't have time to explain this. We're already too too long on this explanation. But then there's a just like you know, it looks like if you were actually there kind of deal. So like or like I don't know. I feel like I'm really beaten down on Ingrid Andrus's performance or like setup for her show, and I'm not. It was. It was all good. Like the whole, like I said, the whole experience was worth the money, and they all did great, and I, mean, I loved it. But it, I'm, I don't it, know. I'm just being nitty gritty because I did it feel kind of more intimate. Yeah, it definitely felt more intimate. Like that was that's something I really liked about her performance. It definitely felt like a lot more intimate. Um, and, and she had like this kind of running gag during the show of like the whole thing. Like um, she like clapped for she's like, and like yay, like pretending to be her own audience. It was cute, and I liked it. But the Midland thing was just it. It felt that was the one compared to the other two. Compared to Ingrid and Tim's, if it, it was like it felt, I felt like they had recorded it like five hours prior and then like put it together in iMovie or whatever, and then just like shipped it off to be aired live. So, which nothing against that. That's fine if that's the way that they did it or whatever. But it was just a it. Although I think it was done in one take, so it might have been live. But I don't know. It was just kind of weird. Um, but Tim's was definitely live because there was, uh, there was they actually implemented like because the, the it was hosted through I think his website, um, but so there was like viewer interaction like you could like put your where you were watching from on a map I couldn't actually figure out most of the stuff or and there was like they had a, there was a performance he did it was like th- three of his song hit songs one of three and like he'd perform one of them based on whichever got the most votes and like later it'd become like a digital thing on iTunes or something like that, he said. But anyways, this is a really good concert. My favorite part was, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Brad Paisley's one of my favorite artists. Um, I actually have, you can get, like, texts from, like, Brad Paisley and Tim McGraw both have a thing where you can, like, get texts from them. That's kind of neat. Um, that's how I found out about his Instagram when he did the like like live show thing, and also be- how I knew he was going to be on Tim McGraw's virtual thing. He's like, hey... <laughs> Actually, let me let me find the actual texts because that would have been pretty recently. So, uh, oh, here we go. It was late August. Sorry, August twenty first. I thought it was early September. This album came. It was late August. He said, "Hey, can you do me a favor and help and text Tim and help me get directions for tonight?" His number is, and then the number for Tim McGraw's thing. Uh, so I knew Brad Paisley was going to be on there, and they played a song, one of the songs from Tim's album, on there because he played most of his songs from the new album, and so they played that song together. Um, and I was like, ooh, is he on the album? And I was like, oh, no, he was just playing the show with him. And then they also played George Strait's The Fireman, which they'd also done on Brad's Instagram one. But this one was, that one was a little out of, out of sync because it was like over a FaceTime call. It was, it was kind of fun. Um, but this one was like they were together in person uh, outside of wherever he was, whatever studio Tim was doing the show from. But it, it made me wonder, I was like, why has there been no, like official like song released with tim mcgraw and brad paisley i would love that because i think they do really well together performing a song like that was great so but anyways i picked up his, tim's album it's called here on earth it's um his last album was a duet album with his wife faith hill a really great album called the rest of our life came out i think 2017 um but this is here on earth came out back in august um and I'd seen a review of his album that said like it they the person felt there was a little too heavy on the 
effects. Like there was like like the first album or sorry, the second album of the CD is called Chevy Spaceship and there was like some like astronaut like dial like recordings and things like that that were put in there like ambiance kind of stuff and I was like I didn't have a problem with it. It'd be interesting to see how they deal with that with putting it for radio airplay but as, on the album I thought it was fine. Um some of my favorite one of my favorite songs was Hallelujahville which that one was a nice one to watch him play on his little virtual concert. The one that he played with Brad and the virtual concert is called Good Taste in Woman. It was a fun song. The Cheryl, the song Cheryl Crow is interesting because it was basically kind of like the I'll never forget you, just like the never I'll never forget the first time I listened to Cheryl Crow, which a lot of what he was talking about during like the discussion parts of in between of play in between playing the songs is like. Tim looks for songs that like speak to him, like tell a story or like imagery or something. And that was one of the ones that he mentioned. Uh, but the next track, not from California is very good. I'm not talking about all the tracks, just the ones that I really liked or memorable to me. Um, and there's the, the single that's on the radio airplay. I called mama. Great song. What a, what a time for it to come out. They, I mean, they, they recorded it and everything. We were getting ready to release it. And then coronavirus said, and then it became like even more, of like an important song for that. And then there's a song called gravy, which is one of the last tracks. I don't remember the last what the last track is on the standard version. Like I said, I bought the target version, which has some deluxe songs. So I don't know if there, if war of art or doggone is the last one on the, or gravy is the last one on there. I think it's two bonus tracks. Truth is and cutting onions. But anyways, gravy is really good because it's like basically if everything if I've got this and this and this and everything else is gravy which is like a really great turn of phrase um, War of Art was an interest it's an interesting concept not one of my favorite songs but they're talking about um, being in the music industry kind of um, there's a song on the album I already mentioned it briefly called Doggone mm-hmm. Doggone I almost cried when I listened to it it's a song to and about their dog but, who's who's passed away? Ah, oh, dude, D- no, um, mm. yeah, it's, that would be hard on me. It's got some great lines in there, like, um, if there's like if there's a window with like sunlight coming through, you're probably laying there. If there's a mailman up in heaven, you're probably chasing after him. Things like that. <sighs> I bet God takes you fishing and stuff like that. It's like if basically I was like, oh no, you done me dirty with my feelings. And then another one, this is the track I was most excited and why I specifically was like, I got to get the target one because Tim talked about it on the virtual concert. The last track on the t- deluxe edition, I guess they call it, you could call it for, for that you can get from target, at least in the U S from target uh, is called cutting onions and um, just like what it made him think of and stuff. And I'd listen to it. It's like a really good, uh, it's basically, it's like about his mom, his being like the, from the point of view of the narrator of the song, like it is in a lot of storytelling country music, but like the, like his mama's in the kitchen cutting onions and it's talking about like his dad is like a drunkard da, 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 da. and then the, him kind of growing up and becoming like a man that drinks and stuff. Um, cause like at the beginning, it sounds like his dad's out like watching the football game and drinking himself basically, um, I don't know, a lot of a lot of really good imagery in that song. I think it's like saying like the devil's in the bottom of the bottle. Da 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 da. Um, 
and then mama's in the kitchen cutting onions and then so it's like i'm in the it's i think it's like he's in the kitchen with mama helping her cut onions while his dad's in the room and then like older he like gets home late one night and his mom catches him like having drink alcohol or something or i don't know but it's basically like a transition of becoming more like his father and then like that like the last verse i think is talking about like his father's funeral or like the the wake Okay, is that what those are called? Yeah. Where it's like everyone gets together and like there's food and stuff. Yeah. Basically celebrating their life. Okay. I just, I didn't know that that was what awake was and I didn't know, like I didn't know what awake was. I didn't know what that was called. And that explains why, because that is awake. Um, But it's basically that. It's talking about like, and it's like, I'm in the, like, the line with that one is like, and mama's in the kitchen cutting onions, like at the wake. So it's like a very strong song. I really liked it. Great song. I definitely recommend it. Also, Chevy Spaceship is really fun kind of comparing your pickup truck to a spaceship kind of deal, obviously. And then uh, the other, the title track here on earth, really moving song. Um, so anyways, that was that album. Uh, the other one, or there are a couple other, a couple others. The other one that's here, something from 2020 that came out uh, was Kenny Chesney's new album here and now, which I've listened through it a few times now. I, I don't really have any strong anything much to say on this one no, none of the songs really stuck out to me too much i mean there's like the the two singles that i've heard on the radio here and now and tip of my tongue good songs i mean the, the album's another good one um there was another song but i can't remember which one it was like if i like just look at the song titles here i couldn't tell you which song it was that stuck out to me i'd have to like hear it again um except for the last track is called guys named captain it's like a fun little song about guy's name captain which very kenny chesney kind of song the other album that it came out the same day as tim mcgraw's album was josh turner's new album country state of mind it's a it's a cover album and a duet album uh although it's not all duets um um so i mean it's a lot of songs that we'd recognize like i know stranger of the rain i've got it made why me country state of mind alone and forsaken midnight montgomery midnight in montgomery was really good yeah. It's a very haunting rendition of that song. Uh, good Old Boys. Uh, the Caretaker was pretty good. Um, cover the Johnny Cash song. It's not all the songs on the album. That's a good deal of the songs. Um, the other one, which... They're, they're all really good. The other one, the one that gives me goosebumps every time I listen to it is Forever and Ever Amen. Because um, that song features Randy Travis. And it is the first studio recording of any kind... Released after Randy Travis' stroke, that was also recorded after his stroke. So basically, Josh Turner sings like the whole song, and then it gets to the end. And like in like at the 2016 CMA openings and um, other live show instances where Randy's there, he'll they'll have he sings the Amen at the very end of the song. It gives, just gives him goosebumps every time. It's a very good cover too. Um, and then speaking of Randy Travis, going on to a few other songs I wanted to mention. So Randy Travis has. A new song that came out uh, about last month called Fool's Love Affair, um, which is a very interesting story with that song. Apparently, it was like a demo recorded before Randy Travis got famous with his first album to kind of sell around Nashville back when they did things like that. But it was like back when Nashville artists were really trying to make crossover success, so like get on the pop charts. So they're not looking for something that sounds like old school country. Um, so it didn't really get picked up anywhere and then they re the guy the producer the guy that recorded it have like in the studio with randy um 
a mixer board. I don't remember what they're called. Um, the I don't remember offhand. I know I know the term, but I can't think of it right now. But anyways, he found the demo track, and then they got the they were able to get the vocals through like um they like the master of it or whatever. So they have the the vocals, and then they recorded everything else new, like backing vocals and instruments and stuff, and released it. And I guess there's other songs that he has, like other Randy Travis unreleased songs that they're like trying to do the same thing with, but there's legal for legal reasons they can't release any of the others. But Fool's Love Affair came out and I just it's a great song. And it also never got recorded by Randy prior to this because it kind of it because back, you know, Randy Travis is a big star in the eighties and things, and kind of what you sing about um which I mean even today it does, but even more so then definitely has ties with like your image as like especially like country music and it's like a song about an affair and so that really wasn't kind of up randy's alley as far as like what his uh song content was so it never got released until recently it's a very good song i love it um (laughs) it's a very sad song so i definitely recommend it another song it's not it is kind of new um is aaron watson's song country radio which is another one that we, you and I listened to, and I love that song. I've actually been listening to it a lot recently, like in the past like week or so. Basically, it's the songs about um, a guy that like grew up watching his mom and like he, they'd send him to bed and he'd like sneak out and watch his mom and dad dance to the radio all night long, and like now he's like an adult and he and his wife dance to the radio all night long, and while their kids watch and he hopes the tradition carries on, kind of deal. It's kind of what the song's about. It's a beautiful song. It's actually a song that I would consider for either first or a uh, song to dance to if and when I ever get married. Um, it's just a beautiful song. Uh, and that's from his new album. But he's just love that song. I can't, can't express how much. I love that song. And then the last song is uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift. She she always basically was like, I'm done with country, moved on bigger and better things or whatever with pop music. But during all this isolation stuff and things with coronavirus, in the middle of it, she dropped an album out of the blue. And it was basically, I guess it was like recorded pretty much like by herself, maybe with a few other people. I don't know. I don't know much. I don't keep track of Taylor Swift too much. Um, but there was a song on there I heard about, I literally heard about it. I forgot the album even came out after it came out. Cause again, I don't keep up with Taylor Swift very much, but I was listening to B93 and Conrad was like mentioned that album. And he's like, yeah, there's a song on there. It, it's basically, it's a country song is like, for those of you that thought Taylor Swift would never go back to do country. There's a country song on her new album called Betty. And so Last week, on the way over to record this episode, we never ended up recording, I listened to that song. That was the song I uh, mentioned I was listening to, and it ended up, the quality was dipping while I was driving over. But anyways, it's a very good song. Um, It kind of takes me back, because the lyrical content, like the time frame of when the song takes place in the narrator of the song's life, and also the sound of the song, like the... Taylor's vocals mixed with that instrumentation um, being sort of country music instrumentation with Taylor Swift's vocals is something we haven't really heard anything new of, at least in since like 2013 at best, which that was about the time you and I were in high school. Mm -hmm. 
And so the song, the narrator in the song is only 17. So this takes place like in high school and there's like references to like a dance and stuff. It's a very, it's a beautiful song. It's a sad song. It's a great song. It's not a song for young listeners. Again, this is a family-friendly podcast. I do want to just mention for any young listeners out there, at least the the version I heard, the uncensored version, there's some F-bombs in there. Um, in the chorus, I think, actually. But it's it's just a haunting, beautiful, gorgeous, sad song that makes me, reminds me of my days back in high school. So I definitely... I highly recommend all three of the single songs I talked about. Um, Randy Travis Fool's Love Affair, Aaron Watson, uh, Country Radio, and Taylor Swift's Betty, which again, explicit lyrics warning for that last one. And then I would recommend listening to all the zums, um, especially if you're wanting to get in kind of like a nostalgic mood, um, but wouldn't mind listening to like something sort of new. Uh, Josh Turner's new album is really good because it's a bunch of songs we all know and love, but like new new spins and new takes on them. Um, maybe not necessarily like a bold new direction with any of them, but it is kind of like a comforting thing while still being something sort of new. Um, but all of the all those are really good. But anyways, we kind of been yip yapping for a while now, mostly me talking in circles. So I think now is about as, as good is the time. norm with RJ. As is the norm. So I think now is about as good a time as any for us to say goodbye for now and ride off into the sunset. Yeehaw. Yahi. He yaw. Ha ye.